I want you to look, I'm going to do a little piece of a, of a teaching that I have called In God We Trust. And I think it's important right now in the climate that our nation is in, uh, I think it's important to um, to remember where our faith is. That our trust lies in God and not in this Babylonian system. The problem with the Babylonian system is that, you know, some days it works and some days it works against you. And so, you know, it's all right to have investments, amen, stocks and bonds and things like that, and invest in companies that you believe in or diversified portfolios and things I for all that. But you need to be careful that you don't rely on that. You have to rely on the Word, rely on Jesus. God's our source. Now, there's many, there can be many channels of income and channels of blessing that, you know, that you can, uh, can receive from. But I want you to see what the Lord says about where our trust is. And so I am, I've entitled this teaching, In God We Trust. I have a, a series on, on it. And, uh, it's just been a real blessing. And of course, there's many, pieces and parts to it. Don't have time for all that tonight, but we can lay the groundwork for some of it, okay? So, Matthew 6, um, I want you to look at verse 19, Matthew six nineteen. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. Now I want to stop there and 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 help you with that a little bit. You know, if you get in the ditch on anything, you're you're out of truth. You can get extreme about anything. Some people preach this as a pro-poverty message that it's a sin to have anything in this world. It's a sin to own anything of, of very much value or of very much quantity. And that's not what that's saying. But he's talking about where our trust is. Amen. You know, Jesus didn't say about the rich young man. That's another part of this. But Jesus didn't say about the rich young man that came to him. And 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 he said, sell what you have, give to the poor and follow me. And uh, and he and the Bible says that he, he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. And Jesus said, how... Hardly shall the wealthy enter into the kingdom of God, kingdom principles. Well, when he said that, remember, remember Peter and some of them spoke up and said, well, Lord, we've sacrificed. <laughs> I love Peter just bust out and say what everybody's thinking. He says, well, Lord, we've given up everything and what do we have to show for it? In other words, almost like they were relating to the guy. And Jesus said, no man gives up houses, lands, etc., for my sake, that he doesn't receive a hundredfold in this life blessing with persecutions. So Jesus wasn't saying, you become poor so that you can be blessed, because then that would just be a never-ending cycle of poverty, blessing, poverty, blessing. That's ridiculous. It's not what Jesus was saying. So when they said, well, what do you mean by that? They said, well, then who can be saved? And he said, remember what he said? He said, how how difficult, he said, he didn't say it was impossible, but he said how difficult is those who trust in riches. Now that's a totally different meaning, isn't it? 
who trust in riches. So he didn't say it was wrong for the guy to have it. He says it was wrong for him to trust in it. And he said, however, all, all these things are possible with God. Even, even those who are trusting in riches can be helped if you can get them to let go and start trusting in the Lord. Jesus never changes. God never changes. I hope you're getting something out of this. I, I, I enjoy it every time. Anyway, verse 19 here in, in Matthew 6 is not a lesson on, uh, you know, like don't have anything. But he, when he's saying, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth, he's talking about uh, as far as your trust and where your confidence and your hope is. Amen? But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through or steal. Now look at this. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Then jump down to verse 24. Again, the title of this series or teaching is, In God We Trust. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve or have faith in or trust in God and mammon. Mammon being this world system. So what does he say about that? Trusting in the Lord. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. That doesn't mean that you can't think your wardrobe through or something. You know, some people think wearing ugly is holier. I grew up with some of that. The uglier, the holier. That's not what that means. But he's saying, take no thought. In other words, don't take a worry or a care about it. Praise God. Don't worry that tomorrow... If you get up and the news is the stock market has crashed, you know, don't freak out. You say, well, that's easy for you to say. You don't know how invested I am. It doesn't matter. God is our source. Hallelujah. And it's important to get that straight. You know, I'm, I have my own political views and I'm still, uh, a little shy, even though the Johnson Amendment has been blocked by our current president. I'm still a little shy about getting very political in the church because, you know, people have different opinions. And I think that, you know, there's not, there's not one party that's holier than another. I do think that there's, when you have political parties that espouse things that are anti-Christian and anti-word, then you have to look at it. Amen? Because, you know, aborting babies and those things and certain problems with uh, gender confusion and all that. Uh, you know, I don't know how you vote for a, for a candidate that espouses those things. But I refuse to, you know, just put a 
we don't put a Republican elephant either on the back wall of the church. So, you know, there's a balance there, isn't there? So, you know, I'm, 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 I'm personally a Republican. I can say that and not get shot, I think. Um, I might get my house egged if I put a Trump sign in the yard. So I'm not sure if I'm going to do that. But here's what I wanted to say. I, I really get disturbed at these Christians who stay, who say things like, well, if, if our president doesn't get reelected, we're doomed. And I, you know, when you, when you go back and really look at that, you think, well, where's your confidence and trust and faith in God? You know, if he gets reelected, it's probably a good thing. If he doesn't, the Lord will help us. You know, come on. We're not, we're not dependent on what Washington politics does. Alright? So I, yeah, sure, I'm hoping for certain turnouts too, a certain, what do you call it, out, outcomes. But whether, but we didn't get that a few years ago and we didn't die in the process either. So, you know, come on. We have to have faith in God is what I'm saying. Faith in the Word. So, you know, if, if the, you know, if the, if the, if the elephant can't blow its nose and, uh, (laughs) and the, if the elephant gets the coronavirus <laughs> and the things don't turn out like you want <laughs> and Wall Street shuts the door prematurely tomorrow afternoon or whatever and shuts off trading, you know, praise God, you just need to speak the word over your finances. Speak the word over your 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 thing, you know, that you do, whatever, whatever you're depending on. Can you say amen? amen. Well, that's it. There goes the whole thing down the tubes. no. Because we are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Amen. I'm enjoying sitting down, but I can't preach like this. This is ridiculous. I'm trying to be cool, and it's not working. <laughs> I'm old school. I'm just a dinosaur. I might as well accept it. I see all these cool guys on their stools. I just feel like I'm... I'm at the bar or something. I don't know. Not a good thing. All right. And so, um, I wanted you to see that when he says that no man can trust to and don't take thought. Again, doesn't mean that it's a sin to consider your wardrobe or what you're going to wear, match colors together or something. But he's talking here about uh, taking no thought. In other words, take no worry. Don't take the care of that on. Well, we got to have groceries tomorrow, and we're down to our last three dollars. The Lord will provide. <laughs> and I've been there. I've been there. Well, not exactly, you know, three dollars, but you know, maybe, kind of, sort of. I've been there since I've been your pastor. I've had challenges and never said a word about it to anybody, really. Just believe God, do the best you can, and then the Lord brings it in, and it's okay. Hallelujah. Well, we all face the same challenges out these doors. And uh, that's why we come together. Hear the word. Strengthen ourselves. Maybe something happens 
about Friday, two days after Wednesday night service. And you think, oh, I'm glad I was at church Wednesday night and heard the word. Amen? Right? And what pastor was preaching applies to me. And now I can stand on that and believe God. You getting anything out of this? So look at this. He says in verse 25, Therefore I say unto you, Oh no, we, we read that. Verse, the end of that he says, Is not life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Well, certainly. Amen. That's ridiculous. And he's making it. Jesus, this is Jesus talking here. And he's trying to show how ridiculous it is to think that God would take care of wildlife and leave us hopeless and helpless. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Well, people wish they could. They're, nobody's ever as tall as they want to be. <laughs> well, they have, they do have shoes that can raise you up a little bit. Why take ye thought for raiment? In other words, worrying about your clothing. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these flowers. Wherefore, in other words, he's going to explain it in case you're still not getting it. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, in other words, the sun just burns it up, shall he not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith. Well, if you get clothed with little faith, that ain't the end of the world. You know, we, we used to preach at people that had little faith and almost make them think that they, not much was there. But he says if you just have little faith, you can be provided for. Yeah, well, brother David, I'm just little faith. I'm just got, you know, just a little mustard seed. Well, good, you can move a mountain with that. Let's start with that and we'll go from there. Quit your whining and thank God that you have faith, even if it's little. Preach, pastor. Wherefore, take no... How many? In other words, don't take the care of it. It doesn't mean, you know, pluck your brain out and get a lobotomy in the spirit. No, he says, take no thought saying, what shall we eat? Or where, what shall we drink? Wherewithal, how shall we be clothed? 
For after all these things do the Gentiles, or you could say those without a covenant, seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. Now look at this. This is so amazing. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. And we're going to come back to that in a minute. We'll finish this next verse. There's so much here. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow. For tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. In other words, tomorrow will take care of itself. Don't worry about it. Praise the Lord now for his provision. Some people can't even enjoy life today for worrying about what they might not have tomorrow. They can't rejoice in today's victories, even if it's a small victory. I'm telling you, Brother Roberts used to say, expect a miracle every day. And you know, when you first heard that, you thought, well, that's a bit extreme every day. But I believe everything that's that's positive and that's a blessing is a miracle from God. Something you didn't do, just make. God made it. Amen. Sometimes Scarlett and I will sit there on our back porch and look at our little piece of nature, which is basically a cypress swamp. But if you're a real estate agent, you call it a nature preserve. But it's a cypress swamp, but it's pretty because it's got water and it's got trees and it's got nature and birds and alligators that eat the birds. I've seen that happen. That's not pleasant. But uh, for the bird, anyway, yay for the gator, bad for the bird. But anyway, uh, uh, it's organic. You know, they only eat organic. <laughs> Organic sand crane is on the menu for this afternoon. <laughs> but, you know, the beauty of nature is there. And we praise God for it. It just comes out of our mouth. We say, oh, praise God. Look at this beautiful morning. Look at the, the birds are singing. And, you know, thank God no bells are ringing. But <laughs> birds are singing and and uh, and it's beautiful. And we look at that as the blessing of the Lord. God's blessing us. He lets us sit here and see this beauty or whatever. Amen? And um, you can find God helping you every day in little ways. You know, God does the big things too. If you need a big old fat life-changing miracle, God will give you one of those. But you know, sometimes it's just the little extra boost that we get that keeps us going, isn't it? Now, the Bible says the blessing of the Lord maketh rich or maketh fat and addeth no sorrow to it. And so there's always these blessings from the Lord. All right, so I want you to go back to verse 33 because it's an important one. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What does that mean? Well, now we know righteousness is not something we do. It took me until I was about 50 years old to figure that one out. Because, you know, when I, when I got preached anything about holiness or righteousness, 
it usually was followed by a do's and don'ts list and what you do and and all that right if you if you if somebody said we're calling the church back to holiness that meant out comes the measuring tape for the women's skirts and the boys hair and uh and you know the rules are going to be read over again and 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 go through it it's usually still that way but if we understand true righteousness we sing that in one of our little songs here uh righteous uh, holiness is Christ in me then we learn that holiness is Christ all things that are purged by blood are made holy praise god we're being made holy by the blood of Jesus we've been made righteous by the finished work of the cross and not by our keeping the rules you know printed out on the third floor of the headquarters building in Cleveland Tennessee somewhere you know to be read in all churches ridiculous that is not you know even though there might be righteous and holy ideas there but that is not um where you obtain holiness or righteousness this it's i know (laughs) you notice i've never read them here and never will we're reading the bible (laughs) praise god (laughs) so ridiculous but he says seek the kingdom of God and the righteousness. Now, this I love this about trusting God in His kingdom and not Mammon and the Babylonian system. The cool thing about it is everything you need is in the kingdom of God. I said everything you need is in the kingdom. And that's why we, we don't look outside for help we look inside. And not I'm not talking about inside the church per se. I'm talking about inside the kingdom of God. Inside the word. Inside the spirit. Inside the unseen realm. Amen. And you'll find the answer. You'll find the blessing right there. For example, just even something as simple as Maybe you've got a problem, financial problem or health problem, and you, you ever needed direction? You ever needed to know what to do? Should I do this medical thing or not? Should I borrow money or not? Should I, you know, what should I do about this situation? You ever, anybody ever been there? How about my children? What should I do what about that situation? So we're there wondering what to do, how to do, when to do, and see the answer, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I don't have to call Dr. Phil, you know, or something like that, go on the Oprah show, look for wisdom that's worldly and sometimes devilish. But I can get the answer from the word of God, from this, from seeking first the kingdom. Seeking first the kingdom, and then if you're going to seek something else after, but seek the kingdom first and his righteousness, which means, again, in that same chorus we sing, um, my one defense, my righteousness. See, that is the one defense. It's not, well, I didn't miss Sunday school for 12 years, you know. Well, that's great. That's very faithful. Appreciate that. But that has nothing to do with righteousness. 
In fact, Paul said that the works of the law, whether it would be Moses' law or any other law, has nothing to do with righteousness. Righteousness has everything to do with the finished work of Jesus. Well, here's something real simple that I'll just will illustrate for you. You know, everybody knows the story of the the widow woman. We were laughing because Dennis Burke, he got up and read that story one time at a Kenneth Copeland conference. And he said there was a widow woman commanded there. Remember the the woman of Seraphath? She was commanded to sustain the prophet. Remember that? And... <laughs> He said, where's a widow woman? And then he stopped and he goes, a wee widow woman. I mean, it was hysterical. You hadn't been there. But like Elmer Fudd, you know, preaches your favorite message. (laughs) A wee widow woman. But (laughs) there was a widow woman, (laughs) not little widow, (laughs) who was commanded at Seraphath to sustain the prophet. The funny thing is, it was not funny, but the weird thing about that was it was in the middle of a drought. It was in the middle of people were literally starving and drying up and dying. And she had just enough meal left. Remember, she had ra- What do you do when you start running out? You ration. It's just, it's just survival instinct. You know, if you have plenty, you don't, you know, you know, you can be a little freer. <laughs> but if it starts getting a little tight, you start rationing, slowing down on the spending. And that kind of thing. There's some wisdom in that. Well, she's gotten it down to the last two meals. She said, I'm going to make a cake. Remember when, when the prophet said to her, make me a cake. She says, well, I can't. I've, I've got just enough for me and my son. Remember that? It's Bible story. Got just enough for me and for my son. And, uh, he says, uh, this is something interesting. He said, go and do as, as you've planned, but make me a little cake first. In other words, it's not this either or situation that sometimes has been taught even in offering time of, well, give up, give up what you were going to do so you can support the church or support the gospel. But he never said that. He said, continue with your vision. Continue with your plan, but make me a cake. In other words, there's going to be enough for all three of us. That's the kind of, that's what it talks about, uh, putting your trust and your faith in God. In other words, it's saying, I can, I can tithe and give and bless and still do all the stuff I was going to do and in fact do more. How much more was she able to do? Well, the Bible says that after she obeyed that and made the cake, remember he was at, he was at the brook Cherith and the brook gave him the water and the ravens brought him flesh and bread in the morning, flesh and bread in the evening and he was sustained and then the brook dried up. You ever had your brook dry up? <laughs> and your bird you're looking for doesn't come. Somebody shot your bird right out of the sky, man, and ate it during the drought. <laughs> but the bird stopped coming and the brook dried up and he's thinking, what in God's name am I going to do? And uh, the Lord said, arise, go to Seraphath there. I have commanded a woman there to sustain thee. 
And so, um, that's the funny thing, is she had already been tipped off by the Holy Spirit. You're going to have to take care of this preacher. And uh, she didn't, she wasn't that excited about it. <laughs> I love that. She was like, well, I don't know if that's going to really work. I've just got just enough for me and my son. I love that story, don't you? And he says, well, go ahead, do as thou hast said. I'm not asking you, I'm not asking you, people say, oh, how horrible. That preacher asked that widow woman, wee widow woman, to uh, give up her food for him. No, he didn't. He never said give up anything for him. Folks, when we, when we obey God, we are investing in God's kingdom and God's work. It is not a giving up. It is a, it is a receiving full. I don't know what to say with that, but if T.D. Jakes was here, he'd have catchy things to say about that. But, uh, so he says, you know, go and do what you're going to do, but, uh, make me, I'm gonna just insert this. Make, 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 and it's, it's a, it's a picture of the tithe, really. It's a picture of first fruits, isn't it? In other words, supply, supply the, supply the ministry, supply the man of God first, and you can still do everything you plan, and it'll be easier, in fact. That's what he's saying, it's first fruits. Well, she did. And the Bible said that the woman, the son, and the prophet, and her entire household ate for an entire year. Now that's a pretty good bargain. Because she was down to her last meal, and she says, then we're going to just starve to death and die. We'll just get in line with everybody else and just go down the tubes together. He prevented her in the time of a drought... And the time of famine is the better word. The time of famine, this this woman's life was spared, and not only hers, but the son, the prophet, and the whole household. Let's say there's five or six servants or whatever. I don't know how many. But uh, let's just say there's a half a dozen or more people were fully equipped and supplied for an entire year from one person's obedience. Now, here's the good part of this message. Are you ready for the exciting, ta-da, drum roll, please? You know what? You know, do you know why God did that? This, this is what I believe with all my heart. God proved to her and anybody else reading and to the prophet, God proved something with the ravens. And the the brook, he could provide the man's need without anybody else being involved. This is not the tada. This is on the way to the tada. <laughs> did did you see that? I think that's an exciting thing to. Re, there's a revelation there, isn't there? Huh? Is that right? Yeah. He could provide because people go, why do these preachers? You can tell people get frog-faced and they get mad about something. You know, the Egyptian plague of the frogs hits the church every now and then. The frog face takes over. 
But the frogs, you know, why do these preachers on TV or wherever, why do they, why do they, why do they just believe God or telling everybody else? Why do they need to take an offering? Well, because God wants to bless more than just the preacher. And so right there you can see that that prophet had faith in God. He was an obeyer, an obedient servant. And he went to the brook Cherith, and he sat there, and here comes the water, and here comes the birds, and they're bringing him flesh and bread, and it had to be, he had to, the birds are stealing it off of somebody's table, because it had to be cooked. Not gonna give him, you know, E. coli or whatever from, you know, feeding him spoiled, rotten meat. Come on, folks. So here he is, getting fed. Somebody said, I heard teaching on this one time that probably getting it from the king's table because he's the only one eating. Even wealthy people. This woman was wealthy because she had servants. She had a household full of people. So she's not poor. She's not broke. And yet she's starving like everybody else. Something like a recession or a depression, God forbid, That'll hit everybody. That didn't just hit the poor folks. In fact, Brother Hagin said during the Depression in the 30s, he said sometimes poor farmers did better than everybody because they had they could raise their own food. So the people in the cities really suffered. And there were people in New York and other places that when that Wall Street crashed, you know, 1929, of we read this from history that there were people that lost fortunes overnight, had millions of dollars, back in the 20s, millions of dollars. Well, that would be like what worth what now? Add zeros to it, right? Billions, probably. I mean, if you had, a, if you had $50 million in 1929, it's probably $5 billion now or something, right? Same kind of thing. Anyway, had all this money and overnight lost family fortunes. Whole industries went, went broke overnight. They had people in soup lines and bread lines. Yeah, jumping out of windows, freaking out. Uh, this was the time of Elijah that this was happening. And this... This woman, she's got her last, you know, she's been frugal. And she's been smart. And she's been faithful. And yet, here she has this situation where the starvation is, they're facing, literally facing the grim reaper, as you would say, from famine. So why did God, here's the deal. Okay, ta-da, we're at the ta-da moment. Why did God... Do this. Why didn't he just say, y'all don't worry, the meal barrel will not fail, the cruise of oil shall not fail, just start cooking and see what happens. Why did he require an act of obedience from the prophet, who I'm sure probably cringed at saying this stuff to this woman? If he had any decency at all, he probably thought, ooh, I don't know, and the woman, she's got the kid, and... You know, and it's just this little bit of stuff and ye, you know, just to say, feed me first. Well, you don't want anybody around to hear that and put it on the press. 
Can you imagine? You'd have Antifa and everybody else in your front your lawn. PETA, all kind of people would be out there. But he says, um, you do this. Now he's being obedient. Think about this. He's being obedient in receiving the offering, so to speak. He's being obedient in telling the woman what to do. Are you following that? Can you see that? Is he the devil? Is he bad? Is, is the prophet Elijah horrible? Because he's, no, because he's trying to get her into this blessing flow. This is the only message I really have on prosperity, but I think it's a good one. Because he's trying to get her over there. Sometimes we receive offerings and, and encourage people to give and some, uh, you know, if you get in the flesh, you'll think, well, you know, maybe there's some sister here or brother here and you're encouraging them to give and somebody might think, oh, I just wish he would just leave them alone. I know their struggle and I know they have hardly enough to even make it now. And here's the church trying to receive an offering. But you understand, it's not, I mean, I know from the natural standpoint, it looks a little tough. But actually, when you get over into the kingdom thinking, God doesn't see them as destitute. God sees them as a child of God that he has blessed. And he wants them to partake and be a part of that blessing flow. So he's got this going here. <laughs> She's debating and she finally probably thinks, well, what have I got to lose them down to the last anyway? But here's the part that's beautiful to me. I love this. Why did God have her empty her meal barrel. He Actually, she never did empty it, but make that extra. It looked like half empty, right? It was half empty because for what was left. Why did God have her do that? Here's why. Are you ready? Ta-da! Finally, the drum roll. He wanted her to stop looking in her barrel of not enough and looking to him who never runs out. I think that's a powerful thing. I've been there where I didn't have enough money in my checking account to really do much with left. You ever been there at the end and you think, okay, I got, you know, a few bucks here. That that isn't even going to begin to meet my need. I might as well. It's almost like the people in the world who think, Okay, I'm down to my last $100 bill here, or 50 I'm going to run down to the casino. What have I got to lose? If I lose it all, I'm almost there anyway. They'll go down to the casino and gamble on a hope and a bet, right? That they'll, that they'll double or triple or whatever their money. But I'll tell you what, we're not gambling when we, when we invest with God. When we're obeying Him. It's not a gamble. Because He's, He's not got the house stacked against us. He's got the house in our favor. Woo! And he's wanting to bless us and he's wanting us to stop looking at the not enough that we have and start looking at the more than enough that he is and receive. Scarlet's done this. I know that I've done this and others where I have literally, you know, down to what I think would cover the account, keep it open, written out something, you know, that just put in and just say, well, praise God, there, you know, at least I got seed. 
and would invest in this system, right? This Matthew 6 system, this kingdom of God and his righteousness system, and say, I'm going to still be a player and be a part of it. And I put that in there. And then what does it do? Well, there's no need in going back and looking at the checkbook because it's empty. The not enough, forget it. Now I'm looking to God who is more than enough to not only meet my need, but put me over and make me extremely wealthy. Where I can continue to be a blessing. What a cool thing. So I said, what a neat country that we have, even though there are those who are trying to change it. In Jesus' name, they won't prevail. But what a cool country we live in that's still on the money. On the money, it even says, in God we trust. Notice it doesn't say, in money we trust. It doesn't say, in government we trust. In Gold we trust, backing the money that hasn't been since 1960-whatever. And, uh, you know, since, the, was it Eisenhower? Who was it that took it off of the gold standard? Somebody back there years ago. But, you know, you could have said in gold we trust at one time. But we're not even, the money doesn't say in gold we trust. That's an extra L in there. It says in God we trust. So that even when we pay our bills, I mean, you know, some people never touch money anymore. I kind of like having cash, but I'm old school. But anyway, you know, isn't it more fun with cash? But anyway, you know, you get the cash out, and if you read it on a bill, it'll say, in God we trust. The coins, some of the coins say, in God we trust. And I love that, in God we trust. And next time you use money, just take a moment to look at that and thank God that he's your source. Not the federal government, not Washington, D.C., not the mint that prints the money, but God is our source. And we trust in him. And and, and when we trust in him, he never fails. Did that help you tonight? Praise the Lord. Amen. Now I don't know what y'all think. I think that's I think there's a good book in that, don't you? I think I should write that as a book. Yeah. <laughs> the teaching in God we trust cuz I just think there's so many examples in the word too. You know the woman with the with the cruise of, with the oil, remember they were going to come take her sons for collateral <laughs> and turn them into slaves and she said I'm down I'm she was in debt. Her problem was, that's a great debt, people that are in debt and don't know how they're going to get out, that's a great lesson right there in getting out of debt is, he said, what do you have in the house? What do you have in your hand? The seed to your miracle is already in your hand. Oh, I've been teaching that for 35 years. The seed, you say, oh, I need a great big miracle. You've got seed somewhere in, in your house, in your hand to sow, to give, to bless, to obey something. You know, some command of faith, uh, dip in Jordan seven times kind of thing. You know, so obeying God. And, and, and your mind will say, well, that's stupid. That, how could that help? But God takes a little thing that seems significant and he uses the foolish things to confound the wise and all those things. I just think that'd be a great book because, 
Uh, every miracle you need or have ever needed is, is it's it's available for you. Do you believe that? It's available. It's got your name on it. Praise the Lord. Well, let's lift our hands and praise Him tonight. That's enough preaching. I can go on and on and on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the Word. Thank you for the truth. Thank you for the light. Thank you for the life. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Lord, we lift up just a minute. We lift up our nation. Seems to be kind of in turmoil this week. And we command that virus to go back to hell where it's from and just to stop in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray protection over the agencies and the workers and people that are having to deal with it. In the name of Jesus, this thing has to slow down and stop. And in Jesus' name, we speak to our economy and we say that our God reigneth. Jesus is Lord over the United States of America. And Jesus is going to be Lord over Wall Street and over the stock market and over the banking system and over industries. In Jesus' name, they're talking about the cruise ship industry failing. That would be a lot of people without jobs. And some communities in Florida would really suffer, including Tampa. And so we say in Jesus' name, this all this craziness has to stop in the name of Jesus. And things uh, go back to where they were. And I know it's an attack of the devil, and I think it's against the the uh, office of president and all that. In the name of Jesus, we just lift up Donald Trump, our president. Lord, whether everybody likes him or not is not the question. But he is our president. He's our leader. We're commanded in the word to pray for him. Father, we pray for him. That he will hear from heaven. He'll know just what to do about certain things that he has jurisdiction over. We give you praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, don't forget Sunday we have church here.